it's rough, man, and, and staying at home could alleviate a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, to think, like, that I used to commute an hour to and back from work every day, that's two hours out of my day just sitting in a car. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, and I remember... That's crazy. I remember telling my boss at the time, and this is my way of bullshitting, right? Because I'm, I'm a marketer, so I can, I'm pretty good at bullshitting <laughs> and trying to, like, you know get get my way without letting my boss know that I'm getting my way <laughs> but uh, I remember I had to start going into the office at one point because literally what you're talking about where like bosses are trying to justify like paying rent for a building and that's the only reason that they're willing to to risk all these people's like health and, and well-being yeah. and everything because it's like well I bought that computer and I want you to sit at that desk like I'm paying for that desk you know um, my boss my this the CEO of my company went to the office in Austin, which is the Austin employees, there's not many, you know, compared to like the other cities that we have offices in. So like he went to the Austin office and got really pissed off because it was a, it was Friday afternoon. So like not many people are going to go to the office on Friday if they don't have to. And B, it was afternoon. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday, which, you know, like we work, most of us work in marketing you're pretty much done by four o'clock every day, you know? Um, it's just how the marketing world works. So, um, like not much can get done between four and six. So it's any emails that come in after four, you're like, well, I'm not going to answer that shit until tomorrow anyway. So I'm just going to go home. So he came to the office on Friday at four o'clock and was livid at how few people were there. And he said (sighs) like, why the hell am I paying for this building if no one's here? Like what? A, you good know, question. Good question, right? Like, what? And I got a I got a suggestion for you. Right. <laughs> Stop paying for the building. Right. So his uh, solution was to force people to start going to the office. He was like, "We're going to start checking because um, we have like badges, like little fob keys to go to get into the office for security." Yeah. And he, they were going to start. They, checking they're like tracking our, our logs of how often we had we came into the building, and if you weren't going in. Uh, I think it was like four days out of the week or something like that. I mean, you were basically going to be put on like a, like we're going to watch you, you know, like you're on probation now. Like you, you have to start going to the office. Um, so I had to start going to the office. This was like sometime early 2020. So, I mean, I remember that happening. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. That was like a huge thing for me because at that point I had been three years working remotely. So yeah. To like having to start going to the office after three years was just like, all right, well, I'm gonna fucking quit then. <laughs> like you guys, <laughs> you guys gave me a taste of the fucking good life, and and I don't want to go back. So um, I remember telling my boss, like trying to petition him that I don't have to come in, and I and I said, you know, the two hours that I drive to and back from work can be hours that I'm being productive and actually working on something. I mm-hmm, I wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking work more, but that was yeah. my way of selling it. That I'm just like, hey, while well, I'm in the car, I'm not at my computer. So I'm like, I can't do work if I'm commuting. So why don't we just true. give me those two extra hours a day just for this bullshit having to save face with the CEO and, and show that I'm actually working or whatever. I'm like, why don't he just log my, like, look at my computer logs and see that I'm, my computer's on and I'm logged in all day, you know? So, yeah. um, my- and also the amount of, uh, gas you save and right. like car wear, right? You know, didn't, I didn't even think about that. You know, um, for me it was driving time. an hour each day. Yeah, yeah, for me it was just time, like saving time, and uh, and he's his solution to that was take meetings during those commute hours, so I can just ha- be in a meeting while I'm driving. 
and talk. Ugh. And he was like, well, so that way you're productive. And I was just like, Dude, what? I'm, well, are you paying for me? Are you going to pay while I'm in the car? I mean, technically, I guess they are because I'm salary, you know? Oh, God. Um, but that's because, yeah, his solution was just like, oh, well, then just take work while you're in the car. He was like, then you can be productive. And I'm just like, so not only. Fucking listen to yourself. Yeah. Listen to what you're saying and tell me we are not in a dystopian society. That's what I, right that, like, I, I kind of, I, I gave him this, like, I wear my heart on my sleeves. My emotions are very clear on my face usually. And I gave him a look and he was just like, are you, are you not comfortable with that? And I was, just, and I. <laughs> I like couldn't hold it back. I was just like, dude. So not only do I have to like drive two hours a day, but you're also asking me to work while I'm driving those two hours. Like, not even be able to listen to music or a podcast or anything that brings me joy. It's like I just your solution is just keep work, just do more work. Then that's the solution. And I he he was like, well, yeah, that's what I do. And I'm just like, yeah, well, I don't want, I don't want your life. <laughs> I am not you. Yeah, I'm not you. So, uh, dad. Yeah, man, so I'm kind of like, you know, I'm just dealing with all that. But I'm also getting really excited, like, when I get out of that funk of work, like, basically when I close my computer, I'm immediately, like, thinking about everything else that I'm going to hopefully be doing in the next few years. And then I just get really pumped and, and motivated and inspired and everything. And, and, um, and you know, part of that is, like, this podcast has been part of that journey for me of, like, figuring out what I want to do. Yeah, well, you know, we've been... Uh, I won't say too much at the moment because it's still in a very early stage. No spoilies. We've been, talking, we've been talking more about kind of putting more uh, more into this podcast and kind of expanding our horizons. And that's it's gotten me really excited to finally, you know, put more of myself into a creative project, uh, which yeah. is something I haven't done, well, you know, for the last a uh, year and a half at least because of the pandemic but also even uh you know uh even before that it was we kind of had to restrain ourselves at mortales like yeah we, it, you know everyone had higher priorities we were talking about like every other weekend like going out and like touring or something never did it never got to that we talk about music videos music videos <laughs> never yeah. did that uh, but you know, everyone just had their their lives to live, and we weren't yeah. getting enough attention or money to justify putting the work into that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just didn't have the time, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, but now, you know, it's it, this podcast, and uh, it's just exciting seeing seeing where we might go with it. I'm I'm really excited, man. I, I'm really looking forward to figuring out the you know, how we can add on to this and make this like a bigger thing that we do. And, uh, and it really has been like, you know, I feel like I've noticed that about you that you, you need, I think you're like me where you need a creative project to work, like having something creative to work on just is really fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've always loved, I've always loved conceptualizing stuff. That's, that's like the easiest and funnest part of most projects, right? For is sure. Like, conceptualizing thinking what it might happen then then when you get in the nitty-gritty it becomes you know you do the actual you're like work. oh fuck uh, <laughs> like so saying i gotta I do, do three easiest. hours of something today <laughs> saying saying i enjoy the easiest part of it isn't saying much but you know it is something that keeps me uh awake but that is, and that's how your brain works too right like because like that's i feel like i don't know if you're the same way i am but when i think of 
a seed, a little seedling of an idea, within 30 minutes, that has become the the biggest like the most that I can see that this thing would become is like what I see it like what I picture in my head of like well that's what I want to do like when I was thinking about that podcast a couple of years ago about that shit changed my life yeah and when I thought of the idea of of you know if we're talking about an album then we can do a cover song at the end oh that'd be really fun like to have people like because then you know these are musicians that also get to like play one of their like play their favorite song on their favorite record like that's Every musician's gonna want to do that, right? And then immediately I thought, this could be something I do at music festivals. This could be a live show <laughs> where, like, I interview Foo Fighters and they cover a Jackson Five song at the end of the interview. You know, I'm just like, this could be a live show. This could lend really well. And so I immediately went from just starting a podcast in my living room to I am doing live shows at ACL. <laughs> and so I need to find a way to separate those two. <laughs> And just like focus on the idea, because it's the same thing with you my gotta Twitch slow channel. Slow down, man. Yeah, like let gotta, things build organically. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's <laughs> happening with this podcast. Is like obviously I had this grand idea of what this could become, and I've just let it just be what it is, and it's been mm-hmm. really fun because of that. There's like no pressure, and I think it's like this is organically, naturally progressing to what we're going to add on to this, you know? And I think it's something that's like, we both realize like we have time for this. We can dedicate more time to this and, and it's fun and, yeah. it, and seeing results of your work is really rewarding and fulfilling and everything. So it's like it, we had to meet at that crossroad, you know, we both had to be ready to start doing more. Yeah. So it's like letting yeah, that organically happen, I think has been uh, really helpful to like hold back myself a little bit. Yeah. And I've, I personally am very hesitant and cautious whenever I do something like this, just because ever since middle school, I was trying to start projects like this. And You've been hurt too many times, Brett. I've been hurt too many times. <laughs> You've been disappointed and left on the side of the road. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, and it, sometimes it's not even anyone's fault, right? Uh, sometimes it's just life gets in the way and... Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason like what if we recorded four episodes and we both realized that like oh we have no idea how to do something like this and like we get disinterested uh and so the fact that we've been doing this for uh, eight months man eight months now oh my goodness yeah and it doesn't feel like it for for eight months and that we're still trucking along and we're still even with the the little difficulties we've had we we put in this effort to like you know, uh, when we could have easily just let a week pass, uh, we, we did it. all we could to like schedule something and record and get the episode out as quick as possible. You know how easy it would have been to let this die, just me moving, just honestly that alone. Yeah, and and I guess uh, me moving as well, a much lower stakes thing, but but still, you know, and like still. we and that was like. Yeah, it was it was clear that we are still interested because <laughs> we were just constantly reaching out. <laughs> Even when we couldn't record that week, we were just like, all right, well, when can we record next week? Okay, we, we said Tuesday, but now we can't do Tuesday. How about Thursday? You know, it's like we never – there was never a canceling. It was always a rescheduling, and I think that's like a really yeah, important right. thing to to keep that, that motivation going and that keep that progression and everything. And, yeah, man, it was like I was really psyched when you were texting me talking about – 
you know, what else can we do here? Like, what else can we do with this? And because uh, I've been thinking since the start, what else can we do? But just kind of let myself take a little bit of a backseat and just enjoy the process, you know? And Right. Just kind of let it unfold naturally. Just kind of let it unfold, yeah. And so I'm really excited to figure out that that next uh, evolution of what of what we do with just the two of us, you know, like even if it's, if it's part of the podcast or not, if it's related or whatever, it's just like that next evolution is like really exciting, even though it is going to be the podcast and and what what we do with it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, man. And it's, again, it's like so fun to, to like listen to these albums and talk and talk through them with you and um, just give you my like unfiltered opinion uh, even when I don't like the record that much, which leads us to what we're talking about today. Which will, uh, what's up, guys? What's up, buddies? <laughs> and welcome to another welcome. episode of Earbuds, the podcast where two buds talk about one album for time. For for two time? For two time. And I... Two or three, just depends. You know... We're the odd couple of podcasts. We're the pod couple of oddcasts. We're the, you know, we're the 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 we're the throb couple of throbcasts. Yeah. Oh, if there's so many so many titles. Now you're giving too much away. That's the next step of the. We're gonna be a throbcast. <laughs> That's our next project. Yeah. Uh, we are your hosts, Lucas, me, the the jammer, uh, the bowling ball, the bowling ball, Indrakovs, and my buddy, one of my best friends and my co-host, Brett. The hammer, hammer hands, uh, Indrakovs, and <laughs> that's right. We are. We have officially. Uh, I have adopted I said yes. Brett. <laughs> you are now my son, and I will speak to Which you is, as such during this recording. I told you the first time I met you, uh, and you gave me a nasty look. But I, I, the first time I met you, I told you I fe- I think of you as my father. Yes, as my second and third father. Well, I uh, and I see myself as your first. Yeah, and you know it. It definitely, the, the the all the official paperwork has definitely helped me see that side of that. Yeah, and I just like to think I'm like the you know it's kind of like when you use a public restroom, like you you pretend that you were the first one to use it that day, you know. So it's, right. it's totally clean, right. and like I see you as a as a public restroom in that sense. And that's might be the nicest thing anyone's uh, ever said to <laughs> the me. The nicest thing a dad has ever said to you. <laughs> that's. <laughs> <laughs> and the album that we're talking about today is by a band called Sheer Mag. Sheer Mag. The, and when you think of when you hear the name Sheer Mag, what decade do you get sent to, Lucas? Uh, I get throttled into the 2030s. I get throttled <laughs> into, into the, the future. future. Uh, no, really, I mean the name the the album art and the music it all takes you back to the 70s it's extremely 70s it all takes you back to the 70s the album is called a distant call um these guys have been described as combining the mecons which i've never heard of uh, but i want to check them out but the mecons mixed with thin lizzy which i would say they're really heavily influenced oh, by thin yeah. lizzy for sure, yeah. Um, apparently, Jackson Five, which I didn't hear at all, but that's in their description. Jackson Five. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. Maybe their older stuff because this is the only record I've heard by them. Um, and MC Five, which I hear also, kind of like garage rock, 
oh, little yeah, punk for sure. Stuff. I could see I could see a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, this is their second album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not listened to the first one. Would you say it's? Have you heard it? You know, I you just said you did. I, I didn't. Um, I've heard a couple of other tracks by them, and to be honest, it kind of it all sounds the you know very similar to me. Um, I think the main difference on this record versus their previous ones is that they went a little more personal and a little more political on this record. So I think mm. sonically it's really similar, but I don't. I think thematically they've kind of they kind of matured a little bit or got a little more serious with their with their songwriting. Um, I would even say there's like a little bit of glam rock, a little glam metal. Oh, for sure. Like there's for there sure. Are definitely moments where like I wish I was wearing a pair of leather pants um, <laughs> with with the crotch cut out. I mean, when I uh, I listened to the album before I looked up the band, and I just imagined everyone in skinny leather jeans, right? big old big old fluffed up hair, right? Just kind of messy all around. And then I looked at a live video and I'm like, oh. Uh, they look nothing like that whatsoever. Yeah, they just kind of look like regular alternative rock. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they just kind of look like regular dudes mm-hmm. with instruments and and do that. Yeah, I would say the singer, um, she has a, a kind of that style, that kind of glam rock, almost scene girl, bordering scene girl type <laughs> style. Yeah, but yeah, yeah all the other dudes sure. are pretty nondescript. Um, and it's it's weird, man. Like I. Uh, I first heard this record uh, about a year and a half. I actually listened to this record when I visited San Diego last year to see if I wanted to move here. And uh, mm. it, maybe it was the the excitement and the mood I was in and being in a new city and all this stuff. And that's when I was doing my daily album reviews. So this is this was one of them. And yeah, um, I remember that. You know, the first time I listened to this, I really really loved it. It was a type of it was a genre of music that I never have checked out before like that 70s rock stuff always sounded so just cheeseballed to me and (laughs) classic rock in general and uh so obviously i knew all of it some of it i liked and but it was just nothing i ever gravitated towards and i saw this name sheer mag come up on my spotify and uh had no idea who it was what what they sounded like and then from the first track i was like oh okay this is kind of like bringing like uh steel sharpened steel I was like, okay, this is kind of bringing back that like '70s metal. I'm like, okay, this is, a, you know, I was just starting to kind of get back into that stuff. Michael had recommended a Judas Priest record to me, which mm. Steel Sharpened Steel it sounds like a ripoff of a Judas Priest song, <laughs> uh, even with that steel, sharpened steel, steel. Yeah, like yeah. very chanty, purposefully doing like low voice stuff. So I loved it. It like totally was like hitting all the right spots for me when I first listened to it and then like listening to it a year and a half later it like fell pretty fucking flat with me really? this time around yeah and there have been tracks on here that I've continued listening to I, obviously like I haven't gone back to the whole record until we decided to do it for the for the show but yeah there was definitely like several tracks on here that I had gone back and listened to and still loved the same as the first time I heard it but then listening to the whole record it like it did fall kind of flat for me this time around. Well, you know, I uh, sometimes throughout the week we'll kind of talk to each other uh, and we'll kind of hint we, we, about... We stay in contact. We, I mean, I'd prefer not to. Yeah. I'd rather stay acquaintances. I'd rather uh, but email than text, but text is fine. 
but no, we'll just you know we'll just be talking or whatever, and sometimes we'll we'll kind of give little hints, little previews into how we think. Yeah, about I, the I love that we're both very guarded, <laughs> and like we won't give each other too much because we're like save it for the pod, but we'll still be like yeah. if I if I feel like compelled to have to say something, I'll send you a little bit of a thing, and and it, you do too, and mm-hmm. I, I love mm-hmm. how like. <laughs> How vague we are sometimes, and sometimes not so vague when we were texting about and this. Sometimes record. we're a little more upfront. Yeah. Uh, Lucas texted me. He's like, "Do not listen to this album on some crappy car speakers." Jesus. Uh, and that was, uh, that was the way I'd listen to the album throughout the the. Oh weeks. shit. Uh, but I, you know, I did. I listened to it twice through some earbuds, and it's definitely a much better listen. What, like way better, uh, right? Like in, and that's uh, like that's the one of the main reasons why I gave up any type of career in sound technology uh, is because that stuff happens all the time. Really, right? It's it's to do with mastering mainly. So, but is it the, the way you is it like a the set the the brick wall or whatever like bricking is that like. What is happening on this record? Bricking. Well, whereas they they compress it so much that it's just like the sound waves are all at the same level the whole time, and there's not a lot of dynamics. Like what 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 part of I the mean, mastering like makes making sure that this sounds good through a bunch of different types of speakers and outlets? Like what what part of what is it? Well, the thing is, uh, it's it's all there are so many variables, and it could have. Uh, it this this record stays within the same frequencies the entire time yes right yeah and so with it could even just be how fast you're driving down the road that's for sure the the engine revving Mm -hmm. goes to the same frequencies that you're listening to and it kind of dampens out something if you're going 20 miles an hour the album's going to sound different than when you're going eight very true yeah and so just that so many variables like that and what car speakers you have and listening through headphones and listening through a phone speaker. They're Mm -hmm. all different. They're all different mixes really. And I feel like those, Uh, those uh, post EQ stuff, like where you can change the EQ in your car or change the EQ, like on your, on your streaming service or anything. Like, I feel like that is meant to mitigate those issues. Yeah, for sure. That's why, um, you know, and also, also the acoustics, of the interior of the car For change sure. how the music sounds. And you so mentioned speed. Like why. there is a certain speed that I'm driving that sometimes music doesn't even, nothing sounds good anymore. Like going yeah. faster than like 50 or 60 and depending on how much wind noise is in your car and shit. But in general, like I'll turn off music if I'm driving that fast because it's, it, none of it will sound good. <laughs> yeah. And when I was uh, driving around with this album, uh, it, it was one of the albums that I just couldn't listen to because in order to turn it up enough for me to hear everything, it started getting more and more harsh. It's grating. It's grating. And it, especially with the way that the vocalist sounds mm-hmm. uh, in this particular situation, it, it does, it actually hurts. Yeah. No, no shit, man. Like they, the, she has, she, her, the, the way that they manage her vocals on this record uh, remind me of not in terms of like sonically, but remind me of like what they do in 311 with Nick Hexum's vocals, where he always has that chorusy thing added to oh, his voice. God. And this record, throughout the entire record, they do not change what her voice sounds like. 
and it's I don't know I wish there was a lot of information about this record because I, I wanted to know what equipment they used for this record because it does sound like they're using vintage equipment even with like her microphone but then it could just be made to sound that way so I mean I I'm I couldn't sure find any information on it it they definitely seem like the type of band that would love to go into an old 70s studio and record on analog exactly and- you know, have the mixers and stuff, but it honestly sounded manufactured. It did sound manufactured. It's, it sounded like her voice. They placed like a, a like a bit of a ping pong delay or something, like a really quick one, plus yeah. plus some sort of phaser or or maybe just like really wet reverb or something. To and she sings at a really high register, and and that's part of what I liked a lot about this record was her vocals at first. Like I, that her voice is so perfect for this type of music. Like she has the bratty snotty but kind of playful and fun garage rocky vocals where she kind of snarls at times and she gets kind of rough and she goes you know like at the peak of her register but it's all very like high pitched and combine this a voice that is already very high pitched and doesn't need any help to be more trebly and bright then add a whole bunch of bright shit to it in, in production <laughs> and then you have something that's almost like we were saying like on certain speakers almost unlistenable yeah and it, the the main if you don't like the vocals of this album you're not gonna like the from, album. The, from the start that's the I mean it's it's all completely centered around the vocals mm-hmm. all the bandmates know mm-hmm. it everyone in the band knows it uh, and she has a killer and voice I just she, I mean, she has a good voice, but I feel like the entire record, uh, not even talking about the effects, which I honestly despise on her voice, like a reverb, a, a big reverb and like a delay yeah. or a, you know, maybe a little phaser. Maybe a phaser, like it's, yeah. It, it definitely mimicked the sound of the 70s, mm-hmm. but it's, I hate yeah, it. Yeah, it's like mimicking like a live uh, recording is what it's. And then also combined with, uh, she does have a good voice. Great for but... rock and roll, like great for garage rock. She's clearly like channeling those seventies, you know, vocalists. Yeah, but it honestly, after after half an hour, after thirty four minutes of it, I got sick of the of the slightly kind of gritty vocals mm-hmm. that she does throughout the entire thing, and it kind of it makes everything less nothing stands out genuine to me less what genuine oh really chill yeah because it the lyrics all all but two songs seem to me a little half-hearted yeah uh and a little vague just kind of yeah just vague and kind of like naming off names that sound cool Mm. uh and talking about you know, I'm in the cauldron, and I'm gonna fight the enemy. Yeah, you know? like unfound manifest, which is like using a bunch of seafaring terms. <laughs> like, it's like if you got a mad, if you got a medieval Mad Lib, then you could get the lyrics for any song in this record. Absolutely, so I, uh, except for um, a couple songs, which. It was very odd how personal. Yes. Uh, those songs. Got I already know Cold Sword. One of them. Cold Sword is the main mm-hmm. one, and also um, the right stuff a little bit. Right. Uh, but Cold Sword got so personal 
when none of the other songs feel personal at all. Right. It, it was just, it stood out to me so much. Same here. And that was, that was my choice nug when I first listened to this, to this record. Um, yeah. Cold sword gets so, really personal about like an abusive father. Yeah. yeah. And so when you, when you use the same style of vocals on that song as <laughs> yes. every other song, yeah. <laughs> you know, it it's like, well, there's no, it feels like there's no real passion in any of these songs anymore. Yeah. It's it, like when wow. uh, Arx Bandits, when the singer does that little gruff, like, you know, he does it sparingly. You feel it. And you, you feel it. And you feel that he's like, get, like he's getting ready to mean something. Yeah. He, he, and, I mean, he's very dynamic with, with his singing. Yeah. And that's what the, man, I, I need to look up her name because I, I feel bad just saying the singer. Um, one second, let me, let me look up her name, but yeah, I, I do. It's, it's, that's really Tina, Tina Halliday is, is, uh, the singer's name. Um, it's really, that's a really interesting, uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a concept, but that's a really interesting point that you make that it's like her voice doesn't sound disingenuous until you get to those personal songs and then you you see you you hear like oh you're singing with the same passion and the same uh intensity as the song about being on a boat and yeah. um yeah. so and it's, it it's, does take away from from not just the more personal songs but it almost takes away from the record as a whole when you realize like oh you're not really feeling anything this is just how you sing yeah it's it's just her her vocal style she you know, uh, and and there are a couple moments when she doesn't have the gruff. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe in the slower songs. Silver Line and, is one where she kind of like backs off a little bit. Yeah, and, and those were the moments, most of all, where I saw how good of a singer she really mm-hmm. is and could be, I guess. Uh, I love the... Yeah, yeah, like kind of holding it back, not being as like snotty. Yeah, those those moments yeah. stand out. Uh, and yeah, it, it just through this whole record, I it it got old. Yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, for you, me. you know, we we went into the the vocals, you know, and looking at the instrumentation also, like, um. The, well, yeah. Let's let's focus on the the instruments. A little yeah, bit. Um, the guitars, the tone. I like most of the distorted guitar tones that they use on this. Um, I, I think the. Uh, I honestly think the guitars are the best part of this. Record. I agree. Uh, the tones they they have are like very, uh, just very juicy. I guess. Mm-hmm. They, they sound uh, vintage also. Like, it sounds like that sound, old school 70s rock distortion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the... It's it's very blues-influenced. Extremely. Right. <clears throat> Extremely blues-influenced through the, through the whole album. But I'll uh, also say, while but, I enjoy the tone, I don't enjoy the riffs. Yeah, there was never... There was never a riff that stuck out to me on this entire thing, aside from maybe... Uh, blood from a stone or blood from a rock mm-hmm. when they kind of have that little break in the vocals and it goes like yes uh, I wrote down I and like the chorus like so guitar weak. during the pre-chorus <laughs> whatever like chorus effect that they put on that uh, yeah blood from blood from stone 
um, Cold Sword and The Killer, I thought were like the three best riffing songs. Uh, mm. And that's not saying a lot, to be honest, because the other songs, the riffs are so boring and and like uh, um, borrowed, you know, there's no, yeah, there hasn't been I've heard a million songs that use all these riffs. Yeah, I it's it's like if you told me to imitate a sheer magriff, I wouldn't imitate a sheer magriff. I'd just imitate a default 70s. Right guitar riff. right then it would all fit there's it there's really nothing too unique uh, like i i can tell the guitarist has a lot of skill and they could do more but maybe they don't have more to give it's like it's like they they wear their influences on their sleeve and they kind of wear their influences as a shirt right right like, uh, as, an, as a shield of armor <laughs> <laughs> like that band Greta Van Fleet. Don't get me started, they, brother. I mean, they just made their fame being a Led Zeppelin clone. Yeah, right? and then apparently they deny that Led Zeppelin is a is an influence. Oh, and they say actually silly. Aerosmith is like our number one influence. We're just like fuck oh, yeah, off. Is that right? Yeah, is that what you hey, wear? Well, you see a live show and the singer's doing all this Robert Plant, spiritual looking wavy stuff, and, and the clothes that know? he wears. I mean, I don't. I don't want to get into this. And he just, um, yeah, okay. You're going to upset. That's beside the point. Uh, but they they are not subtle about their influences. Uh, but and it, it's... that's the thing about those bands is that they're, when you imitate another sound so much, you're not going to be better than the bands you imitate. Right. You have to put some of yourself in there and change it up and how many what, uh, 40 50 years of music have happened since the 70s 50 years yeah. of rock and roll that you can incorporate into this sound and you're mm-hmm. not doing you're not incorporating anything new into yeah. into this so yeah so you listen and, to it and you're like that's why it's like i've heard a hundred bands that sound exactly like this and it doesn't it doesn't do you any favors yeah and i i I couldn't tell you what the bass was doing. Man, it wasn't doing anything special. We're, we're talking about and, the EQ and the and the mastering and shit. Like the bass in my car was didn't exist. I I literally didn't hear it the whole until time. I, until I put on headphones. I didn't hear the bass at all. And then in also in the car, the guitars were so high end and trebly, and uh, maybe all mids and all treble or something. That they had, they had no. It's okay. They had no. Uh, <laughs> hey, we live together. Um, they have, <laughs> they had no dynamics in the guitar tone either. So in the car, yeah. the guitar, su- everything sucks in the car. With headphones on, the guitars, <laughs> the the tone really shines through on headphones, and you can actually hear the bass. Yeah, it. But even in, even when you can hear the bass. The bassist isn't doing anything. No, <laughs> that it, they they aren't doing anything aside from holding the song down. Right. And the the drummer, I the first time I the first couple times I listened to this record, I was wondering if they were, if they had a drummer, <laughs> and if it wasn't just like a drum machine or something, because every single song sounds the same, and every single song has the same drum pattern. And there's like little to no dynamic. There's hardly any fills to let you know that there's a human behind dude their fills the, are literally set. Dun, 
like that yeah it's yeah it's really boring i was I've, and it's it's the, not something i i feel bad for the drummer if there is one it's not something i usually get on because i always say that a drum part that fits the song is better than an impressive drum mm-hmm. part but god man maybe it's just it was, it, there was just nothing to latch on to at all you know, and every song sounded the same all throughout the song. If you listened to the first 30 seconds of the song, you've listened to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah. the, the... It, was, it, was a, it wasn't a hard listen, but it was a rough one. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, it, that's what sucks is that there was nothing exciting. Um, and you would think with, with Tina's vocals, like she's just like, she's belting it the whole time, pretty much the whole record. And, and if you yeah. don't like her belting, you're not, you're going to hate the entire album. Um, but she kind of reminds me, her style reminded me of me and Mortalis where I was just trying to be like, it sounds like she's just trying to be loud. Like she's mostly loud more than anything else. Yeah. And, uh, in the few moments where she does, allow herself to uh, be quiet or a little more subdued. She, her voice stands out so much more and sounds a lot better. And um, I like the description of her voice uh, in, a, in a review of this album. They said that her voice is neon edged. And I'm like, <laughs> neon that's edged. really, that's a really cool description of the way that she sings. Um, but you know, this album's not going to inspire me to grow a mullet anytime soon. <laughs> and that's what they want me to do. And and that's the goal of any seventies. Yeah, that's clearly record, what they're trying to get it? me to do. The guitar riffs like severely lack throughout the whole album, even though they do serve the song. Like saying that you're talking about the drums, right? Like if the drums serve the song well, then you know they might not stand out, but at least they're not a detriment. And I think it's the same thing with the guitars. There's never a moment where I was like, "Holy shit, the guitars suck on this song," because they are good players. Yeah. Yeah. It it and it might just come back to the songwriting itself, right? It's it's very simple. Unfair of us to expect more stuff from the musicians if the musicians are playing the right part. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a detriment of the songwriting itself that it doesn't allow the songs to be anything more than they are. Right. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. That's the end. Yeah. And no every don't, single don't, song. Don't take out any instruments. Don't don't dynamically change too much never pause to let something stand out (laughs) yeah just it's just the whole song it's just the same momentum through the entire album and there are softer songs but they aren't really much different (laughs) well yeah i would say like the softest song on here is probably uh silver line yeah and i think they they it's it sounded like they borrowed a lot from fleetwood mac in the in the uh instrumentation of that song um right and that is one of the songs what sucks is that i think it's it could have been a standout really strong um like single off the record but the guitars the tone on that song is so like i want to say objectively bad um (laughs) the guitars are so hollow and so weak on silver line that it completely takes away from how much how interesting Tina's vocals are on that on that track. So it like sucks because right. you get like 
one thing gets better and the other things get worse. So then it's just like, well, damn it, this song doesn't, this isn't one of the better songs on the record because it's like something had to suffer to be able to, to write this type of song. And like, why are the guitars so fucking just empty on that song? Well, honestly, I, I kind of love the guitars on this song and that might just be because it was different from what was happening for the rest of the record. I just can't uh, but they it. are very thin. They're tinny. Tinny, yes. They're they they don't have much behind them, which is they got no balls. Which, they got no balls. But uh, honestly, I think that's fine. I I kind of enjoy the guitars on this song. Uh, I don't. But uh, I I don't it, like the it, little it, bling bling bling, and that <laughs> you know almost uh like I don't even know like Toto or something like one of those types of bands that like like guitars in the background yeah. just dude and and I don't blame you for liking it because that it's it's at least different from the rest of the album yeah and I love the melody of the chorus I'm looking for a yeah like it's it's really catchy her voice is great on that song and the bass is at least front and center right yeah it's it's Very doing loud. a little more than than usual <laughs> yeah a little bit i think he's he's doing uh quarter notes instead of half notes <laughs> he's doing do 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 instead of do 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 uh-huh. that's about it and like ugh, i don't know I, you know what's crazy I, I, though this got like a, a, on average like an eighty one, in like twelve right? different twelve different magazines that reviewed this album. It, it's averaged an eighty one. I mean, I can imagine the the old heads who are listening to this being like, "Oh, finally, good music again." That's true, and they picked up on you a know? lot of the the themes that I didn't really pick up on like, when I was going through the lyrics. Like, all the reviews called out like that the lyrics have stepped up on this record versus their last one where it's like everything from like breakups to losing your job to like a teacher strike union strikes to workers rights to immigration to abusive relationships and drug abuse and outside of the abusive relationship and the breakup i didn't hear any other really obvious um themes or or points that they were trying to get across or stance that that they were taking i I mean, I would say that they did touch on a variety of topics, but none so poignant or unique or interesting that it mattered. You know, what's a weird, I agree. And a weird thing that I read about the actual writing of the lyrics of this record, I don't know if you saw this, but from what I understood, the guitarist writes most of the lyrics Really, but tries to write them from Tina Halliday's perspective. So she adds her kind of she adds input to the writing and all that stuff. So he right. tries to write it from her perspective, but he's doing most of the songwriting. So I, well, so I this abusive wonder, relationship thing, like Cold Sword, I wonder if that's even a real story. That I I refuse to believe uh, that she didn't write that and the right stuff i feel like those are too personal for somebody else to write it right and i don't know how you would approach your singer being like hey (laughs) i want to write about the abuse you went through 
you know? Right. Yeah. Or, or it's like, Hey, let's write a song about something that, you know, can be universally understood and that's something a lot of people will connect to it. Um, you know, that could, that could have been it right there, but yeah, there's, it sucks because there's so, um, so really limited information on this, uh, on this album that's out there that I, I don't know who, who had writing credits for each song. The only thing I read was that the, the guitarist wrote most of the lyrics with, with Tina's input. It's interesting going to their Wikipedia and seeing how much hype it looks like they had when they were coming out. Yeah. And they were like on lists of 10 bands to look out for. They were doing some late shows. Yeah. Uh, and then I, you go on Genius and you see that none of these songs have like over 200 views on the lyrics. Right? Like they were on like Late Night with Seth Meyers. Uh, and so I, I wonder if it was just the hype died down when the second album came out showing that it's kind of the same stuff or like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I just wonder how all that stuff went down. Yeah. I, I'm curious too. I think they might've been maybe on the forefront of um, this, you know, wave of um, 70s style rock that started coming out again. This kind of revival. It's, yeah, right? this revival because they, they started in 2014. So in 2015, like a year after they even got together, Rolling Stone featured them as one of the top 10 bands you need to know. Um, Jeez. And I'm curious what other bands on that list were falling under this type of genre. Because, right. you know, you think like the Strokes and all them had already kind of come and gone with like bringing back that kind of 60s, late 60s, early 70s sound. And then the more what was considered really cheesy for, for people who aren't old heads sound of like seventies and eighties metal started coming back, you know? And you think like even joke bands like steel Panther, like, <laughs> right. You know? And then, and then you get more bands like, uh, like black veil brides that like might not sound like the, that music, but they look like Motley Crue, you know? Uh, they, they had the drag, uh, drag influence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the glam, the glam. Yeah. I'm curious if it was just the timing of when they first came out was just like, holy shit, these guys are, cause they would have been a really fresh sound in 2015. And then now maybe, you know, six years later, it's just doesn't hit as hard because, uh, we've, well, we've heard a lot kind of doing this eighties thing now, right? We're going hard into the eighties now, which, which we have been for about 10 years, like thinking about like twin shadow and, and, uh, Tori Moi and, and chill wave. And stuff like that, like going really hard into the cheesy, what used to be considered cheesy 80s, and now they're making it cool. Yeah. But they're making it yeah. fucking cool because they're bringing in new shit. Like, they're they're bringing, they're borrowing that 80s sound, but then they're also incorporating psychedelic or hip-hop or, you know, all this stuff where, like, Sheer Mag is just doing, is just rehashing a bunch of old songs. So... Um, like I could see old heads loving this shit and I can see new people being like, yeah, I've already heard this like a million times. Well, well, I mean, I know. They, you know, like the, the review surprised me that they got, it got so positively, positively reviewed just be, just sonically. I'm surprised it got positively reviewed. Like these people must've been listening on like $1,200 fucking studio headphones for this to sound that good. <laughs> uh, but what's crazy is uh, Bernie Sanders used uh, not a song off of this record, but one of their songs called "Expect the Bayonet" as his walkout song for like a for his what? like for his comeback presidential campaign rallies in 2019. Oh, <laughs> he would man. walk out to a Sheer Mag song. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Well, I 
man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything in this darn world. And the Rolling Stone uh, politics podcast, The Useful Idiots, uses that same track as their theme music for their intro of their podcast. Hmm. So, I mean, how many times have we disagreed with, with uh, you know, critics and reviewers at this point? Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I was more in step with reviewers and critics and stuff, but it seems like I'm not. It seems like I just don't get what they get. I didn't go to, like music school and i don't appreciate the like the finer details and sonic sounds of music or whatever yeah yeah i agree i mean you know what were your uh we we already mentioned like silver line and blood from stone and cold sword and a couple of other songs by name like which ones were your your choices my dude uh i think we share at least one cold sword uh cold sword is my first one absolutely it's it's got a kind of it's very odd i almost kind of wish these lyrics were on silver line yeah just a different song because the reason i like this song the most is uh well the vocals yes the pilot sound it's like a little more catchy uh, than the other it's songs a cold, but cold sword. it's a the, the music door. The music is uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically upbeat. It's such for a happy what song. They're talking about, yeah. You know, they're like, I don't. I might be imagining this differently, but it's like a song that you would have a cowbell on. You know, like there is a cowbell. Dun, dun, dun. There is during the okay. pre-chorus, yeah. Or is it just an illusion? And there's like just dun, 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 cowbell going. It sounds like a party song. It sounds like a party song, and they're doing the the and no, they're doing some offbeat to get the bound. Yeah, I love it, uh, and I love the the chorus riff that they kind of they just let the guitars ring out. It's a cold, cold sword, just ring in on the on the ones and fours or whatever. Like I love that. Yeah, and this is one of the only songs that I could care about the lyrics. They, you know, it's definitely one. Of, it's definitely the most personal song on the record, and it 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 is actually kind of it it just baffles me how personal it gets, and these things that you usually wouldn't talk about on this album of stuff you could step away from, yeah, and like not personally dig into, you know, yeah. I mean, and the then song- suddenly there's this one song that's extremely personal. Yeah, here's one that it's, it's like it, it almost like uh it shocks you at how personal and and dark the lyrics are. Yeah. Uh and it's you know, it's not like corn or anything when they're it's it's not so horribly descriptive mm-hmm. or or visually disgusting or anything, but it's just but it is on just, the nose. it's kind of a sucker punch. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it is a sucker punch and it's and uh um it's very on the nose. Too, it's it, they're not yeah. they're not mincing it's words not here. That subtle. No, I mean the, the first four lines is when I was a girl, I did my best to hide. We all had to run for cover from my father and his drunken pride. Yeah, you know he'd beat up on my mother and tell us he'd be the only one. And the whole song, the concept is is her dealing with the complex emotions of like her abusive father passing away. And she's like, man, I I know I'm supposed to be sad, and maybe I am a little sad. Um, but you know, then you think like, but he physically abused and emotionally abused our whole family. Like, so it's almost like good riddance. It almost <laughs> makes me wonder 
if they if she wanted to put the lyrics on a more happy upbeat sounding song just so that she would feel less hard emotions performing it maybe so you know? but she really if it was out a her more, voice on this one too man if it was a more solemn song maybe it would get to her and she wouldn't be able to play the song that's a good point or, or something yeah like maybe that. it'd be too much um man i just the those there's a few lines that like really hit me hard on this song like they're just like very and if you're not paying attention you would never know right for sure um because that it's it's so catchy it's a cold, cold sword. It's a closing yeah. door. And now I see the sound of that. And then the guitars are like really catchy, <laughs> really fun to listen to. But then it's like, man, the line's like, well, I heard what they say that family's not for choosing. It's like, ugh. Like, family's not for choosing. choosing. Uh, is yeah. closure real? Will I find peace, or is it just an illusion? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really, really heavy lyrics. Like it just gave me goosebumps, like just singing it. Um, so, dude, Cold uh, Sword, such a strong Cold Sword for sure. Such a strong That's song. My number one. Yeah, my number one also. And let me, let's say our second Nelgon three. I think we might, I think we might uh, have it. So one, two. Three, the killer. The killer. Oh! Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When's the last time that's, that's, that happened, man? It's like the second catchiest it's, song. It absolutely is. And it has a really cool guitar riff. Like, one that I can actually, like, honestly say is very cool. It, it almost seems like it's one of the ones they were proud to actually display up front. To, like, man, I hate um, the opener. I hate uh, Steel Sharpened Steel so much. Right. The killer should have been the opening track. Well, it's. I wonder if it was just because they had the chanting in the beginning where she she's like, ah. Yeah, what, like what a great intro to her voice in general, where like she literally starts out the track screeching. But she could have done that with this song. Absolutely. I um, mean, you know, I, don't, I, don't I know. love the the riff on this song. Like when they do, because it almost sounds like it goes from like major to minor, and it's like yeah. very ACDC, you know. And I. Th- I think this might be the song with the biggest drought in vocals mm-hmm. with that intro. It takes like 40 or 45 seconds to get to the vocals, which is not something that happens a lot on this album. Usually it's just the whole time the vocals are going and there are like very little short breaks. Yeah, I love. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's like they knew. It's like you said, it's like they knew they had a killer riff on this one. I love yeah. when it goes like like that's where it feels like it switches to minor. It's really cool. And if I remember correctly, I think they have some of those like super like seventies, eighties like yes. where like the guitars harmonize. Yes, for sure. And like I, I am impressed by how little they did that on this record. They only did it two or three times. Yeah, and, and, and so sometimes like, it was my favorite part of the song. It. Yeah, like hardly to blame. Right. They had like a really cool synthy guitar line and hardly to blame, and it would last three seconds at a time. And I was just like, "That's the only thing I like about this track." Yeah, <laughs> but the killer also, um, it's like Judas Priest and ACDC like mixed together. Yeah, and the the best part of the song to me is when the backup vocals that it's the killer, it's the killer, the killer, it's the killer, yeah. It's the killer again. yeah, dude. I I thought yeah for the longest time that they were saying it's the Get Up Kids. 
<laughs> it's the get up kids. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, they're saying that would have been a final. Lyric. I know, right? I, but yeah, I love that little. You know, the even though the vocals almost sound like um, like a kids album on that part. <laughs> they're because they're and they're also very weak uh, background vocals. It almost sounds like clearly but I these think guys that's couldn't to its hit benefit. that note. You know, so they had to do it softly. It's the killer, yeah. it's the killer, it's the killer, yeah. For, like, killer, a really yeah. rocking, fucking badass rock song, like, doing those background vocals, like, seem like they shouldn't work, but they absolutely do. Like, I love them. It almost, it almost seems like they should have, like, three backup singers in the corner. Yeah. Who are kind of singing that part. And glittery and dresses. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then they're like, well, we have to make this Judas Priest. And then they go, the killer, at one point, And then they the go back into the song. <laughs> And it actually and like uh, one of the only one of the solos. few guitar solos yeah. on this. Yeah, one of the only mm-hmm. solos and a cool solo, like a good solo. Yeah, it's not bad. It's super, like everything else on this album. It should probably go unspoken by now, but like super derivative of the era they're trying to emulate. Yeah, very uh, you know white man bluesy uh, rock solo. Yeah, real real high up on the guitar. Uh, yep, they end it with that harmonic. And they do that really cool thing where it almost sounds like dueling guitars, so it'll pan from left to right on every other right, line. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man, this is like you can definitely tell the guitar the guitars can wail. Like homeboy can fucking play, and it's like, why did you hold back and write such simple, basic riffs for the whole album, and then you have this really cool major to minor riff that also has an awesome like thin Lizzie inspired solo in the middle of it. I'm just like, I. Like, I wonder if it's, I wonder if, like, this obviously isn't real. I don't want to actually throw a real shade and, like, start rumors or whatever. But, like, I wonder if this singer was like, you can't, you can't stand out more than me. And, like, this was the one song that he was able to, like, oh, I can finally be free and and (laughs) do what I want to do. Right? Because it seems like he's having a lot of fun with this one. He's all over the guitar and he's just kind of. He was doing those little like during the, the yeah. chorus like you know it doesn't need that but he's adding a little flourish and it and I love it and it's an interesting way that they end the song with a very very reverb delay and it just goes uh fluidly into the next one into the last track yeah keep on running which is you know almost like a thin lizzy um I don't want to say rip off but someone it's a well I mean an homage is a really nice way to put it in a match, in a match. I'm over here at the Lala Gagoots. I'm, li- I'm looking at homage. I think it's Beyonce's uh, sister, homage. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think that's her name. I think right? That's her name. Uh, so yeah, I think we have. I was I was a little worried that I was gonna rag on this album too hard. Uh, but it seems like we kind of have the same idea of what we think about this one. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny hearing how um, excited we both got to talk about Cold Sword and The Killer because it's like, but it's it's like the two songs that they had a little variety in, and it was catchy, and it has nice parts in it that you can kind of latch on to. Yeah, it showed potential for uh, making. Um, their own type of music that just has this as an influence rather than just rehashing old music. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, my rating is going to be 
pretty low, though I do genuinely like those two songs. Mm-hmm. I genuinely like only those two songs. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but I might actually have the killer on, you know, on a playlist or something in Cold Sword. I like those two uh, a so lot. So I can't... If, if those two songs weren't on the record, it probably would have been like a one or Ooh. a two. Just, so, just uh, sonically bumping. or like songwriting, everything combined, like... Just because, uh, I don't know. There are, there are 70s bands that actually have something to bring and do it better and actually have that vintage sound of the era. Yeah. The OGs are the OGs and, for a reason, man. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't want to say that like people can't enjoy a new record that emulates a different era. Like Obviously, I'm not saying that. But I personally was not looking for this kind of music. <laughs> You know, like, I don't, I don't really care to go back to the seventies. And so in the seventies, your era of music though, that we talked about, like what decade you would have to choose if you can only listen to music from that decade. Wasn't it the seventies? Not at all. Was it the eighties for you? I think it was like the two thousands. Oh, fuck. Honestly. Okay. Maybe Michael's. Just because that's what I grew up on, you know? Yeah. Well, you're you're all wrong. It's not the nineties. Okay. I, I did listen to a lot of 70s and 80s growing up when I was first getting into music. Your dad's a big, uh, big rock metal guy, right? Yeah, and also the when I went to the school of rock, uh, that those were the main eras that they they kind of liked to harp on, and those were all the posters. We all Led, Led Zeppelin and Def Leppard. I've seen the movie. Then Lizzie. <laughs> the Ramones. Uh, but I'm probably just gonna give this one. I I hate being so harsh and critical because I know they've they went through a lot of work to do this record, uh, but the vocals got old after a while, even irritating at times. Yeah, uh, there was nothing there musically. Most of the record, all the songs sounded the same yeah. all throughout the record. So I'm probably gonna give this one a two point six is what I'm thinking, and it's not it's not. It's just for me. Yeah, it, dude, I'm sure. Yeah, it is how much did you enjoy this, this on a scale of zero to ten? What was your enjoyment yeah. level and a two point six? <laughs> and I'm and I'm guessing it's it would have been a zero point six had there not been two songs on there that you actually liked. It I, it probably would have been like a one because we can think of this in terms of like out of the ten songs that are on this record, how many did you actually enjoy? And two point six sounds about right for you. About two point yeah. six. <laughs> Uh, yeah, damn, dude. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's so crazy. To com- go ahead, go ahead. To compliment it real quick, it does emulate the era very well. Uh, people who like that era will love this album, and I'm sure the previous one. The singer mm-hmm. is very talented. I'm excited to see where she goes from here. Um, and it definitely it definitely keeps a consistent vibe throughout the record. Uh, absolutely. And I'll, I'll say that to its benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do they, I mean... For all the bands that are trying to bring back this era of music, I feel like Sheer Mag is probably one of the best at doing that. Um, For sure. Yeah. The Tina Halliday, she has an awesome voice, incredible vocals. She clearly has a dynamic range that she's just not showing a lot on this record. And she reminds me in terms of like really strong, powerful rock female vocalists. She reminds me a lot of Brittany Howard. Um from uh, 
Oh my god, I can't believe I'm forgetting their name because I love this fucking band. Uh, <laughs> Is it? I don't. I I don't know what Brittany Howard's from. I got it. I got it. One one second. One second. Brittany Howard. She is such a badass. I can't believe I can't remember the uh, Alabama Shakes. Alabama Shakes. Yeah, it was the last time you heard that fucking name, right? It's it's been a second. It's been a second. I'd, she reminds me of Brittany Howard in the sense of just just a strong, soulful, really strong female vocalist um, that clearly can do more than what she's doing right now. Um, like Brittany Howard came out with her with a solo record that is almost better than Alabama Shakes' stuff. Really? Yes. Um, oh wow! And she showed her range on all of the band's stuff. Like she, it's not like she held back. But you can just tell, like she's she's a very she's a huge driving force of their sound, and and getting to do her own thing was like really made her shine. So I'd love to see Tina Halliday like do her own stuff and see what she can what she can bring to the table and how she can make it a little bit different. Because I feel like clearly the guitarist is uh, a huge writing force in this band. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I'll sure. I'll give you all the things that that you gave. Uh, that you gave them as positives like absolutely really good at recreating that sound Um, even if it comes off as a rehash most of the time Um, very consistent throughout the whole record even though that for us was a bad thing (laughs) all all these things could be negative absolutely (laughs) Uh, but it will say it's just like they they know what they're doing you know so like I give them all that Um, but the negatives it's like yeah it's like kind of weaker songwriting um the the way that they produced her vocals didn't do her any favors in terms of uh trying to listen to this on a in a lot of different outputs and i mean god if they could just change the effects around a little bit yeah. if they could ju- if we could just have one or two songs it almost made me feel like they were disguising something like they were hiding they, something about they could have they could they could have been like they're hiding her behind these effects yeah it very well they very well could have could be doing something like that like a little trickery to, to try and make them sound better when in turn i think they made them sound worse and i mean even in high school when i was recording my first records in my ska band like we knew to take this the the latest masters and listen to it in the car, on headphones, on your home stereo, yeah. in your outside yeah. stereo. Like, listen to them, you know, in, in the worst possible speakers, computer. Uh, and just to make sure that this sounds decent in everything. And it doesn't sound like they did that with this. It's like they heard it on their fucking badass studio uh, amp, uh, you know, speakers. And then they were just like, oh, the album sounds great. Beautiful. Um, so to say that this is well produced, I think, would not be uh, correct. Well, it's a, it's rough because it's a good sounding album when you listen to it on, you know, just regular speakers or yeah. earbuds or something. I, I, I don't think I would count it as a negative that the car speakers didn't sound good because it's just so much to think about. And if they did adjust for car speakers, it would sound different. It might not sound good on headphones. And I'll be especially with this with this like feel that they're trying to get with the mix throughout the music right and i could have taken the extra step to changing the eq in my car to, to match this record to make it sound good in the car right but you know an album shouldn't make me fucking work for it to sound good um <laughs> and i'm kind of the same i'm you know i i think i gave this like an eight point something last year did you really yeah, the first time i heard it was oh, on man. headphones um it sounded awesome and i loved how fresh it sounded to me and and I love her voice and and the music while it wasn't outstanding was definitely not offensive so there was a lot that I liked about it the first time I heard it and I was going into this uh idea of of covering it on the podcast with with the idea that I was gonna fucking love it again 
and uh, and I didn't. And it's uh, it is definitely it was a bummer to realize like that how well, little I liked it this this you know time around. I really do hope uh, us texting about it didn't affect how you listen to the album, dude. I mean, when I texted you, I had just listened to the whole thing in my car, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> I I had a gut sinking feeling that that uh, I was like oh no I I don't like this even a fraction as much as I did the first time I heard it and uh, yeah who knows man who knows if it was time and place if it was you know just a it, it was just the what I wanted to hear that day or something but listening to it again I, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much and I think I'm I think I'm giving it a two point six man wow imagine it I, I was really? I was gonna give it a three point something and then I'm just like nah fuck it like if I'm looking at this as these are ten songs I enjoyed two of them a lot and I liked a little bit here and there 2.6 wow man yeah. I, I I was really I did not expect that from you I didn't expect it either until I listened to I started listening to it um, and then I, I was that's yeah I, well it that just goes to show you what a second listen will do because you, you listened to the album once, once right yeah you listened to it once you gave it an eight which is, for you is a very high score yeah for sure like it really is you know and it, for most people an eight is like average or whatever but uh, like i know you and i know how you think about the ratings and stuff mm-hmm. uh and for that to go to a 2.6 is in it's it that's crazy to me <laughs> yeah yeah uh it, it surprised but me too man th- that's that's what a couple listens does man yeah you know that's why we take a week to listen to these albums exactly if at least, at least. yeah and we had two, we had two weeks for this one and i i mean i'll tell you i did not utilize the two weeks no man i listened to this as, as much as i usually do. i listen where i usually listen to uh an album like a handful of times like you said to get to get over that honeymoon phase or to get over that um you know the opposite of a honeymoon phase where I fucking hate it the first time I listen to it like uh, a chilly a chilly sun phase a chilly sun phase um, like I did with morphine yeah. where the first time I heard it I fucking hated it and then you know <laughs> listening to it a handful of times more I really started to understand it and dig it a lot more um, yeah, yeah this the honeymoon I, phase I was wore scared off when we were because because we kind of messaged each other a couple hints on that and I was scared about what was gonna happen I was like oh crap I Jay's gonna I was us. so nervous too, man, because I love Jay so much and respect his opinion on music a lot. So he's just like the coolest dude. You just, just like so nice. you just want to you just want him to coddle you, yeah, you know, and and feed you your baba. <laughs> I just want his know? acceptance. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want him to to be proud of. Yeah, me. it's him and Michael. I hold to this like standard of understanding and having this like so much knowledge of, of music that it's like, man, if, right. if they respect my opinion, then that like means a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, I was nervous about Jay. <laughs> I was nervous about sun city girls too, you know? Oh God. Um, right. But yeah, man, they, they don't make it easy for us. Sometimes. Which I appreciate. Um, and Jay and Mike, if you're listening, man, like let's have you on again and let's talk about another record, dude. I, I've both times, I think we've had Michael on twice now. Yeah. We've had him on twice. Yeah. Uh, the first time was with Sun City Girls, and the second was uh, the, um, the Body, the Blood, and ma- the Machine. Yeah, the Thermals. Yeah, both times surprised thermals. me, and both times have, were probably something I wouldn't have listened to had they not brought it up. So um, I love that. Um, yeah. Well, damn, dude, 2.6 is across the fucking board. 
this this might be our lowest rated album. It might be. I think Together. we might have rated Pet Shop Pet Sounds a little lower. I don't. I don't know, man, because we respect the hell out of that album. <laughs> well, I should I should have rated it a, a two point six or lower. But uh, but yeah, uh, tell us what y'all think, please. Uh, take take a couple of listens to the album. Tell us we're dead wrong. Tell us we're dead to rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Instagram at ebpcast. Jean Luc Guitard mm-hmm. with like I think a couple. SHs in there. Silent. Uh, Brett Hanrahan with three T's, a normal amount of a, a slightly above average amount of letters. I always spell it wrong. Uh, you can. We are anywhere podcasts are found. That means you can go to iTunes. You could tell us what you think. You could rate us. You could go to our website, which I don't think people know about, but we do have a Podbean website. We Podbean.com uh, slash uh, earbuds podcast, right? I believe so. It might be EVP cast. I don't go on it. <laughs> Let me see. Earbuds. I, I only go to it to see how many listens we're getting. No. That uh, all, all Lucas cares about is the fucking numbers, I man. Just, the numbers going you gotta, up. You got to bump up those numbers. Those are rookie numbers that we're getting right now on our listens, man. <laughs> That's not true. We're so thankful for everyone listening to this. Um, please tell your friends about it. Follow us on Instagram, like Brett said. Uh, leave us a comment. If you want to be a guest, even if we don't fucking know you, send us a DM, man. We'll we'll have you on. I'll, me and Brett love talking about music, uh, even if we don't like the music that we're talking about. <laughs> we still love talking about it, and maybe even shamefully more so when we diss it. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I do get a little excited when... Uh, we did reach a little milestone. We are currently at 531 downloads. Super excited. Uh, over the course of 28 episodes. Yes. That is crazy to me, actually. Super exciting. Uh, I mean, we've been doing this for about exciting. eight months, and we're at 500 listens. You know, to some people, that sounds like nothing. To two guys who thought no one was going to be listening to this shit, 500 is like, it's incredible. It's great, man. Uh, thank you all for... You know, just thank you again for listening. If it's your first time, if it's your 28th time. And tell uh, your friends. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Yeah, if you hate uh, someone and you hate this podcast, make them listen to an episode. That's a great, yeah. yeah. Just lock them in a room, tie them to a chair, make them listen to the the pet shop sound. Yeah. The, the Beach Boys One of our episode. first like five or six where we went on for two and a half hours because we talked about every single song. Yeah, the the first episode where Lucas goes in depth on each song on the resignation, Di- dissecting the lyrics that could be a good one. <laughs> Ugh. It's interesting that that where you can that episode still get you can plays. hear me hear me nervously trying to to speed up the conversations, <laughs> trying to keep me on track. Um, yeah, man. Um, so what do you what do you want to talk about next? Um, man, I think the next album I want to talk about is I can't believe I didn't put it on the suggestions on our on our sheets. Uh but I kinda wanna go back to the Bright Light Social Hour on their second album. Uh Space is the place. Alright then. Is that the, is this the first band that we've done multiple albums by them now? Um You know, maybe I'm surprised it wasn't King Gizzard first. I, uh Space is still the place is the name of the album. The the artist is the bright light social hour austin locals their sound 
completely changes on this album, I'd say. And, and you love this I, one more, right? Uh, I think I still like the first one more, but I think you'll love this one. I think that I should have introduced this one to you first, honestly. I don't know, man. It, it'll be a it'll be a nice change of pace. The production, I think, is fantastic on this album. Uh, but I guess I guess we'll see. It'll be tough to beat bare hands, bare feet. I'm excited, man. Yeah, I haven't even. I remember you told me way back then to check out this record, and and I haven't because I'm a good friend. So I knew that we were gonna save it for yeah. the podcast. You wanted to save your first reaction yeah, for exactly. Yeah, for when it was recorded. Exactly, and I like your um your leopard print or whatever print uh cell phone case you got going there. It matches. Oh, thank you. It matches you. your it uh, your, of... your cat headphones. <laughs> It kind of looks like the Rugrats. Yeah, background. for sure. For sure. It, I got it at a Dollar Tree for a dollar. Oh, that's a good deal. Yep. It doesn't protect against anything, but it sure looks neat. Well, all right. So next episode, buddies, we're going to be listening to Space is Still the Place by the Bright Light Social mm-hmm. Hour. Um, yes, listen sir. Listen to that record before uh, before you listen to our episode and, and see if you agree with our opinions, man. Um, thanks again for listening, buddies. Brett, what would uh, what would you rate this episode? You know what? I would rate this episode <laughs> an eight point six. I'm right there with you. I was thinking eight point six even before you said it. <laughs> We're just on the same page today, yep, man. We uh, for thank God <laughs> it would have sucked if one of us loved it and the other one hated this. Oh man, I uh, yeah, I I was worried because you're the one that brought this, and I'm like, well, he must like it, right? <laughs> and I did, um, a year Perfect. and a half ago. Brett, Lucas, this was good. This was good. Okay, well, uh, thanks, buddies. Bye. Bye.